morning. My name is Gene Williams. I'm one of the preachers here at Grace Fellowship Church. Very glad to see you this morning. Welcome. A lot of people see church as a place to go to be moral. A place to go to be good. A place to go to earn God's favor so that he would accept you. This belief is common in America today. And even the the good and the bad, it's in the person of Santa Claus. Right? Are you good enough? This belief is common in America, and it is not true. It is not what God tells us in the Bible. That's why I love the Gospel. The Gospel of Jesus says that you are not good enough to make it to God. You've fallen short because of your sin. In fact, everyone here has fallen short. And by the sheer gift of God, by the abundance of His mercy, He provides a sacrifice to make you good enough. He brings us to Himself at the cost of His own blood. And then following that sacrifice, following belief in that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God begins to change you from the inside out. To polish away the dross. To make you shine. God, through the gospel, the beautiful gospel, takes us as bad people, saves us by His grace, and then turns us into good people. So why am I starting with this? There will be a temptation this morning to hear this sermon like this. Do these good things, have these character traits, and then everybody in the church will like you and God will like you. That's not what the passage says. Don't hear this message like that. Hear it like this instead. The gospel enters our hearts, saves us by God's grace, and then we begin to change more and more into His likeness. Not to earn the salvation, but to reflect the salvation that God has given in grace. As a church, we've been working our way through 1 Timothy in our series, Paul Beginning to End. And this book has been all about how the church should behave, how it should function, how it should be set up. Last week, we talked about God's heart, God's generous heart. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This week, we're going to consider church leadership and what qualifies somebody for church leadership. And uh, we'll be talking about well, two terms this morning that we don't say a whole lot, so I'll be happy to define them. One is overseer, and that basically just means elder. The term we use here at Grace Fellowship is elder. The second one is deacon. That's the, um, the second term. In some churches, deacons are the ones who care for the poor. Other churches, they take care of the property. Others uh, use it interchangeably with the word elder. For our purposes here this morning, when you hear deacon, think servant. The Greek word for deacon is, is just the word for servant. So in particular, these servants help the overseers or the, the elders as they oversee the church. 
This morning we'll see that noble tasks require noble people. Noble tasks require noble people. Go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 3. If you have one of these Bibles, it's on page 576. And as I read, I want you to encourage you to consider how you can grow in these traits, even if you're not a church elder or church deacon. Because we have this list for, for church leaders, yes, but also to imitate our leaders as we follow them. So let me pray, and then I will read the first 13 verses of chapter 3. Father, thank you for the, the privilege and the honor of preaching your word. Thank you for coming to dwell with us in the person of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise for the grace that you have given us, the gift of mercy in coming to dwell. And Father, would you guide us this morning? Would you help us to see how your gospel is glorious and how your gospel changes us from the inside out? How it renews us and and turns us into more and more into your image. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then... Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. To be an overseer, one must be noble. Paul begins with this conditional. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, then he desires a noble task. It's a simple link. The office is noble. Therefore, because of the nobility there, inherent in the role, therefore, verse 2, he must... And then he goes into his list, verses 2 through 7. And I will break each one of these down a bit for us this morning. So it starts off, an overseer must be above reproach. This means above board, above the possibility of being disapproved. So 
no walking in the, the red light districts, no cutting people off in traffic. Why, why might this be the case? Because as overseers, they're the ones representing the whole church body. In representing the church body well, they need to be above reproach. Husband of one wife. This implies being married and faithful to one woman, not an adulterer who claims faithfulness to one, but then goes and sneaks behind his spouse's back to another. An overseer must be sober-minded, must be able to think clearly, must be able to make good judgments. Self-control. This overseer consistently restrains his body. He turns away from what is evil, and he turns to what is good and right and holy. This overseer must have the good favor of others. He must be respectable. He must have their favor in the way that he lives his life, in the way that he speaks to other people, in the way that he conducts himself. He must be respectable, hospitable. This overseer welcomes people into his home and gives them food and drink and gifts because he is a generous man. He's hospitable, able to teach. This man is not only able to understand difficult concepts, but he's able to explain those difficult concepts to others in a way that they understand the concepts too. So why would that be necessary? Why must an overseer be able to teach? Well, because coming out of chapter 2, these are the people that Paul is talking about uh, teaching the corporate church. So if they're up front teaching, they better be able to teach. Not a drunkard. Along with self-control, this overseer needs to be either able to say no to alcohol altogether or to know when to say no more, lest he lose his sobriety and be a slave to a drink. Not violence, but gentle. This man, he must not abandon self-control and resort to brutality. No, this man is gentle. He's, he's known for being kind. He's known for being compassionate and tender toward other people. Not quarrelsome. This man is, is not a man who goes looking for a fight. This is not a man who loves to stir up controversy for the sake of controversy. An overseer must not love money. This overseer must not be controlled by the paper and the coinage of this world. The coinage and paper that controls the lives of so many people in this world. This man must not love money. This man must love God. Manage his own household well, keeping his children submissive. This man's house should be marked by children who know who the parents are and parents who know who the parents are. There should be a pattern of, of obedience or at least progressive obedience as the children submit to the parents. And this, this shows that the man and his wife, they're, they're overseeing their house with dignity. 
If someone does not know how to manage his own household, Paul says, how will he care for God's church? The implication there is that caring for the church is an increase in responsibility. Such that if you can't manage your own household, then it's a sign that your management of the church isn't going to be much better. Children, this means that when you obey your mom and dad, the more you obey them, the more you're helping them. You're helping them because your house looks the way God wants it to look when you obey your mom and your dad. So keep obeying mom and dad. Overseers must not be recent converts. If someone just became a Christian, this person is is not a candidate for the office of elder, at least yet. This overseer must have a history of believing in Christ, a, a proven track record of believing in Christ. Paul, why can't recent converts have a shot? Verse 6, Paul says, They may become puffed up with conceit. They may fall into the condemnation of the devil. They may swell with pride to the point where their own head bursts and that results in condemnation. Not a great trajectory there. So not, not a recent convert must be well thought of by outsiders, people outside the church. This man must not only have a good reputation among those in the church, but outside. Why? Verse 7, so that he may not fall into disgrace, a snare of, again, the devil. Disgrace, that means a loss of reputation. It's kind of two similar ideas playing off each other. Outsiders must think well of an overseer so that he may not fall into a loss of reputation. Must think well of him that he maintain his reputation. Elders, here's an application for you. Elders here at Grace Fellowship, verse 7. Your neighbors should think well of you. And church, as we follow their example, our neighbors should think well of us. We should be well thought of by outsiders. I'd like to point out an observation here. Two of these qualifications for the overseer office, two of them have to do with the devil. Why? Why would that be? I think a a possible interpretation is the devil has a particular liking for church leaders, for dethroning church leaders. He goes after the regular team players for sure, but he has a keen eye for the team captains. So why does this all matter? Why is this list here in 1 Timothy? This matters because it makes clear that not everybody in the church should be an overseer. And at the same time, we as a church should aspire to some of these character traits, if not all. It is a noble task. How does this apply? Well, how can you strive, even if you're not an overseer, how can you strive toward the applicable traits that God is moving you toward? How can you be more self-controlled with food or with alcohol, with your words? 
How can you pursue gentleness in your life instead of violence and treating others with violence? How can you better manage your household, honoring God as you parent with your spouse? How can you um, be above reproach in your life with your taxes, with your bills, with your weekly habits? How have you been below reproach? And how can you change that? To oversee in this household, one must be noble. And, and guess what? It's very similar for deacons. Let's talk about deacons and the scripture behind that. To be a deacon in the household of God, one must be noble. This list, it's, it's very similar, though maybe not, uh, not quite as rigorous. Paul starts out in verse 8, Likewise, deacons, they must be dignified, worthy of respect, not double-tongued. They must not be deceitful. They must not tell one thing to one person and then a completely different thing to another person when they're asked the same question. They are not to be deceitful, not addicted to much wine. Again, As with the overseers, we see alcohol come up. Deacons, they must not be addicted to this drink. They must not be slaves to this drink. Subject to the drink and the drink's wishes. No, no. Not greedy for dishonest gain. Deacons must not scheme and prey on others and use others for their own gain must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Mystery of the faith. What does mystery of the faith mean? If you look at chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about the life of Jesus, and that is the mystery of faith, the mystery of godliness. The progression of the life of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery of of the faith. So deacons must not only be able to understand that mystery, but hold that mystery with a clear conscience. How would you do that? How would you hold it with a clear conscience? Well, their life should look like they believe the gospel. Their life should look like they have faith in the mystery. They must understand why they believe the mystery. And that must have implications on their life and the way they live. Deacons must be tested. Here's a, here's a unique one for deacons. They must go through some sort of trial period. And if they prove themselves blameless, then they can serve. Some of you might say, well, That's not really interesting to me. I I get tested for a period and then serve. Seems like a lot. That's why this is a noble task. And then verse, verse 11, it transitions. It says their wives or it could be translated women likewise. So there's there's some uncertainty here. It could be referring to the wives of the deacons or to women deaconesses. It's not entirely clear. So, in any case, these women who who are serving in the church, these women should be dignified. They should not be slanderers. They should not 
make up false rumors about people and spread those false rumors around. These women are to be sober-minded. They are to make judgments with a level head. Faithful in all things, she is to be constant, dependable, loyal in everything she does. So after a quick verse there, back to the, the male deacon in verse 12. They are to be the husband of one wife. And again, very similar to the overseer. This deacon is not to be an adulterer who pledges faithfulness and then goes and does whatever he wants behind her back. He is to be faithful to this woman. Manage their children and households well. Again, very similar to the, the overseer. The, the home life should be in order. And then, verse 13, there's this conclusive statement. For those who serve well as deacons gain two things. One, they gain good standing for themselves. And two, great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So good standing. They, they gain good respect in the church community. Great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Great confidence in the faith. This means that they are showing good fruit of the faith that they profess. Their faith is being lived out in front of the church, giving them confidence in their faith that is in Jesus Christ. And that, that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's something to strive for, church. It's similar to what Jesus says. You will know them by... Their fruit. If you see an apple tree pumping out fresh, fresh, juicy apples, it probably means the apple tree has a good root. And likewise, if you see a deacon with good fruit in his life, he is probably connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. Great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This matters because it shows that God wants servants in the household of God. God wants deacons in the household of God. Elders, I'm going to speak directly to you. We here at Grace Fellowship, we have the office of overseer already. We have the role of elder. Bill Drips, Tom Hallman, Peter Kroll, Reese John, you all serve as elders. And we don't yet have an official deacon office. And I know that you guys are are thinking about this. I know that you're praying about it in your meetings. And I just want to encourage you from this passage that I think you're doing well. I think you're doing the right thing in seeking to establish this role. Now, the, the rest of the church, if this office were to be put in place, would you like to serve here? Do you think you'd be qualified according to this passage? Noble tasks. They require noble people. As we close, I'd love to end with verse 9. This verse, again, it talks about deacons holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And again, we, we will see next week as Dan Miller preaches on verse 16. This mystery of godliness is about the life of Jesus, the progression of the life of Jesus. 
Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Do you believe this? This mystery of the faith? Do you believe that this mystery saves people by grace despite their sin? Once you come to this mystery of the faith and come to understand this mystery, God uses this mystery to change you from the inside out. To change your life and make you more into a man or woman with godly traits. And this Jesus, Jesus is the one who saves us. He is the one who changes us. If you're a non-Christian, would you this morning like to not only be forgiven of your sin completely, but made into a better person by God himself? Would you like that? And this mystery of godliness, this Jesus Christ, this is the man you're looking for. Let me pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks for the mystery of godliness, Jesus Christ. Father, he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels as he walked on the earth, proclaimed among the nations. You've got to hear about this Jesus guy. He was believed on in the world, taken up in ascension to sit at your right hand and now lord we live and we exist in the already not yet we are being renewed and changed into your image more and more lord we pray and we ask that you continue to do that deep work in our hearts and in our lives father we pray that we would be an image to the world of jesus christ and we pray that you would use us to draw others to him. In Jesus' name, amen.